It's Monday, it's the 29th of June 2020, it's Jim and it's the world of bonds. So shutdown risk has returned to financial markets and the real economy. Uh, the number of cases in Texas, Florida, Arizona has uh, spiked quite sharply and places like Texas and here in the UK, Leicester, are either doing or considering returns to the more severe lockdowns that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Elsewhere in the UK, the era of austerity is officially over, according to Boris Johnson. Tomorrow he's going to announce, uh, I guess, wide-ranging infrastructure spending. There's also talk about Brexit talks resuming and some positive noises coming out there, although you you wouldn't guess that from the performance of uh, Sterling at the moment. Uh, But, you know, I I think it looks like we might be edging towards a pragmatic and practical approach to borders um, that don't involve huge queues for lorries going in either direction uh, between Dover and Calais. Um, In France, Macron suffered a pretty big drubbing in the municipal elections, very low turnout, but uh, the Greens took uh, lots and lots of seats in the big cities, and I guess uh, for the Greens, if not now, then then when? Finally, on the kind of news stuff, uh, Debt Management Office has announced how many gilts it needs to issue uh, between now and August, 275 billion. It's done quite a lot of those already, so there's nearly 100 billion to do over July and August. As I said, weaker tone to stuff. Uh, Credit on Friday was particularly weak, so crossover was 10 wider, main six wider, banks 10 wider, and liquidity is starting to suffer a little bit um, as well. And, you know, we're heading into July the 4th and uh, into the summer break for Europe. And uh, we should expect liquidity to probably suffer over that period. So US 10-year government bonds, 64 basis points, Japan at zero, gilt at 18, bonds at minus 47, investment grade dollars, spread of 153 and high yield, as I say, 10 wider than when we last spoke at 634. Today I'm going to talk about yield curve control. Uh, yield curve control is when your central bank Um, announces that it's going to pin a certain tenor of bond on the yield curve at a certain yield. So in September 2016, the Bank of Japan announced that it would pin the 10-year JGB yield um, at around 0% uh, in yield. Australia in March this year announced it would pin its three-year yield at 25 basis points. So you can kind of decide whereabouts on the curve you want to operate, and there's a lot of debate about where is effective. Um, The Fed, um, during the June FOMC, they had yield curve control presented to them as a topic that they should think about um, by Jay Powell. Um, The Fed already has what most people regard as a dual mandate, maximising employment and keeping prices stable. But there is a third bit of that as well, which is to um, end up with moderate long-term interest rates. That's not quite as well articulated as the other bits. There isn't a level in there, but they certainly have it within their remit to do something to to keep uh, bond yields low. The trouble with yield curve control is that it can be very powerful. Um, There's some debate about just how powerful. Um, There's a great blog recently on Liberty Street Economics. Now, the two blogs that I think are the best out there 
for bond markets at the moment are Liberty Street Economics, which is the Federal Reserve's own blog. Really wide ranging, um, blue sky thinking, you know, not constrained by the strictures of working for a, a bureaucratic central bank. And the same is true actually for the Bank of England's Bank Underground, which has published some really great stuff, historical things uh, as well over the years. So Liberty Street Economics, Bank Underground, my go-to bond blogs at the moment. Recent one in Liberty Street Economics looked at um, the Japanese experience of yield curve control um, to see whether whether it worked. And I guess um, we should think about that. And you know, there is a clear benefit to what they've done in some respects. It hasn't lifted inflation a lot, but the, the Liberty Street Economics blog says the benefit was that they haven't had to spend very much money. You know, if you tell people you're pinning yields at zero. Why would you fight that? Why would you oppose that in markets by shorting JGBs um, aggressively? You know, the Bank of Japan didn't have to actually buy very many bonds in order to achieve that target. Um, now, you might think of that as success, but actually a, a great Barron's article last week um, talking about the perma bear Albert Edwards, um, who has got this very strong thesis that the world is turning Japanese, uh, a new ice age of economically of zero inflation, negative yield. So he's been that way for a very long time, take it or leave it, but always worth um, worth a read. And in this article in Barron's, they say that actually that is the failure of yield curve control. Um, if you say you're going to pin your interest rates at a certain level, you won't end up having to buy very many bonds. And actually, um, the mechanism by which QE works in Albert Edwards' view is only through the currency depreciation um, angle. So he says, currency depreciation is the only effective transmission mechanism to stimulate the economy as part of quantitative easing. Um, so you look back to 2012 in Japan when they announced big traditional QE, i.e. buying lots and lots of government bonds, the currency weakened aggressively, 35% against the US dollar, and that triggered some economic growth. In a world where you don't actually have to buy any government bonds to pin the yield curve where it is, um, because you know, you're seen as powerful enough to do that, um, your currency doesn't weaken, and actually currency weakness is the only way, currency wars in a way, are the only way that people can win in a QE world. Now central bankers will, will very much disagree with some things that Albert say, but I think it is clear that there are some unintended consequences of yield curve control, including flattening the yield curve aggressively. Even if you're targeting, like Australia, the three-year area of the yield curve, you know, why wouldn't you buy four-year bonds? Because they're going to become three-year bonds soon. And if not, if not four-year bonds, why not five, six? So the whole yield curve term structure comes down towards that pinning point at three years. Uh, and a very flat yield curve not only has a kind of psychological impact, we saw that last year about the speculation about inverted yield curves in the treasury market, but it also has real impacts on the banking sector. So their um, net interest margins, you know, they can borrow at the short end and lend at the long end, are very much compressed under a flat yield environment. And so actually yield curve control might A, not be as effective as you thought it was because it has no impact on currency depreciation and B, hits the banks. I would say to, to end up on this that no central bank has yet really talked about currency depreciation as being a goal. And I think that's uh, a Rubicon that we're yet to, to cross. 
but um, one that, who knows, we may end up with at some stage in the future. Uh, Have good weeks, everyone.